0: Love Talk Radio. Thank you.
1: Become sensitive, become
2: sensitive.
1: Can you say that you are Can real? Can you say dis- that you are real? Dis- I'm sorry, I can't hear I'm to you. Ask. Can I stay calm on the pressure? pressure? Can you manage your anxiety, Can you manage your anxiety, your, your anxiety, and fear, and fear, and Well did what well, emotional intelligence
2: intelligence.
1: I I Oh, Miss Rose, oh, welcome, Ms. Rose to welcome to, to talk, talk, talk Radio. radio. Hi. Hi. Hello. Hi, Miss Rose, Rose. Are you there?
2: Yes, it's going in and out, but I can hear you now.
1: Well, welcome.
2: Well, welcome. Thank you. Can Thank you-, you
1: very much. Can you just tell us a, little, you just bit tell us a little bit about, about your work? Your work, what you do with, families and, with families and children.
2: Well, what I do with families and children is try to help them reach a level of emotional maturity where they can um, regulate their emotions to the point where they can problem solve effectively and appropriately. Where they can um, stand up under pressure while making good choices emotionally. Mm-hmm. Teaching them about emotional health.
1: Okay. And what is okay. emotional health? What is emotional health? What is emotional health? You know, in my research, in I my have research, read, I read, that read that our IQ, our IQ has, been has been increasing over the past for uh, 100 years, 100 as relate due to advanced, due advanced technology, technology but, our but our emotional intelligence, intelligence seems to be, to be at a standstill or even decreasing. Or decreasing. And when I read that statistic, you know, I began to, began to think about the work that I do as well, and teaching people how to how uh, improve their communication skills in relationships and work with individuals and helping them to manage their own emotions. The scripture in Ecclesiastes 7 says, do not be quickly provoked in your spirit, for anger resides in the lap of fools. And as I thought about that scripture, I think about how so many people are angry. So many people cannot manage their emotions. I look at uh, children who are unable to express emotions uh, towards their parents and the number of fights that kids get into in school. And I look at just adults who are not able to have effective communication, but uh, usually uh, communication erupts into anger and criticism and uh, bitterness. So, Miss Rose, can you talk to us about how do you teach children? What are some of the methods that you teach your, your parents and your children as it relates to, to managing their emotions? Um, the first thing I do is
2: teach them about what are the different types of emotions. I believe that individuals struggle with understanding there are various types of emotions, anger, sadness, disappointment, frustration. And I teach them to recognize what emotion they are feeling, what are the triggers, and then how can they effectively communicate that feeling to another person without acting out, without the yelling, the screaming, the use of profanity. But have them recognize the feeling and then effectively communicate that so what I had them do was just think about what is the emotion what is it that I want them to hear I'm angry I'm upset because Mm -hmm. and then state the reason why Mm -hmm. so those are some of the things that you know I teach them to do is to recognize what they're feeling and then be able to um, appropriately verbalize that feeling
1: and I and I think you're on to something because so many people are not in touch with what they're feeling. You know, we have adults who are not able to articulate what they are feeling. Many people that that I work with and, and, and Ms. Rose, you can attest to the fact that the group that we do, uh there's so many in the group can only name a few emotions, anger, happiness, depression. And I think that it's important to teach children how to name their emotions, how to identify their emotions because there is power in naming. So when we give people a language to describe how they're feeling, you know, I think it will go a long way in helping them to be able to express it, to communicate it to whoever they're uh, engaging in. Do you agree with that, Ms. Rose? Absolutely.
2: I absolutely agree with that. Teaching teaching individuals, not just children, a language with they, which they understand and can um, verbalize, is uh powerful for them. It becomes a powerful
1: tool. Mhm. So so the first uh component in emotional intelligence is self-awareness. Knowing what you are feeling and why you are feeling it. And as I think about Self-awareness, knowing what you're feeling, that's the language that we we have to have and the language that we give to people so that they can identify the various emotions. But also, more importantly, is, is why am I feeling this way? Because sometimes we can feel a certain way and it has nothing to do with what's being said in the moment, but it has everything to do with what has happened in your past. So, so Miss Rose, how much of uh, past issues uh, interfere with a person's ability to uh, identify what they're feeling and why?
2: I think a great portion of it does but the 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 barrier is to help that individual um look at what happened in the past when they felt this type of way mm. um helping them to understand um how that feeling that they may have felt a while back, a hurt from a mom or my mom used to speak to me this way or my dad used to speak to me this way, and how it transfers over to now your partner speaks to you this way that angers you or someone on the street speaks to you in the same manner. And while that triggers a certain emotion from you, mm-hmm. anger, frustration, being able to recognize that and where it comes from, that's the bigger barrier, I think, to helping people uh, gain self-awareness, to gain emotional awareness of where they are, and to name it. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. And 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 what I what I've come to understand is that there are so many layers of hurt, layers of of shame, layers of disappointment, uh, layers of of abuse, and for many people these These layers uh prevent a person from accessing what they're truly feeling, so a lot of the work that that I find myself doing in individual counseling is uncovering the layers of pain you know those past experiences that uh have led to their their current state of emotional distress, and people don't understand why am I angry. Why am I depressed? Why am I feeling anxiety? And as we begin to work with them and as they begin to talk through, uh, in other words, process. That's a word that we use a lot, help them to process their past. Then we're able to slowly peel back the layers uh, from the onion, as you will, so that we can get to Mm -hmm. the core of the emotion. and They're able to really identify how one event in the past has led to their their current emotional state and the triggers can remind them of their past event. I mean, sorry, the past yes. traumatic event. So is that some of the work that you find yourself doing when you work, you know, with individuals or working with, with families?
2: Yes. I was thinking that. It's like peeling an onion one layer at a time, Mm. helping them to just heal one layer at a time.
1: Yeah. And, you know, I find that some people are often surprised at the intensity of their emotion. You know, for for people who have been abused or experienced um, any type of trauma, sometimes their emotions can be intense. They can be intensely angry. They can experience intense sadness. You know, they can experience uh, just an intensity of fear. And for many people, they don't really know why I have anxiety. Why am I so sad? Why do I get angry so quickly going from zero to 100 so quickly? So that's that piece of self-awareness, knowing why am I feeling this way. And so much of the work is, you know, peeling back the layers of the onion to reduce the intensity of the emotion. And what I've found, and I'm sure you can attest to this too, Ms. Rose, is that when we are not aware of our emotions, and we are not understanding why we feel the way we do, we can end up making poor decisions. We can make impulsive decisions. We can make decisions based on our emotions. Yes. So, are, have you found any uh, activities or any exercises that that you have done, you know, with individuals to to help them to uh, harness their emotions so that they can apply them to problem-solving and decision-making.
2: Well, one of the things um, that the first thing that I usually try to do is help people to stop and breathe and think. And so we Mm -hmm. do a breathing technique that oftentimes, sometimes uh, adults struggle with because they're always um, in the defense mode. Uh, Mm. It's sometimes easier to teach children the breathing technique to help them to calm down, take a deep breath, count to five, count to ten, before you react, before you do anything. And as I teach adults, I'm finding that some of them find this to be helpful in the midst of being angry and frustrated, they take a deep breath before they say something or before they do something, they more than likely will respond more appropriately than mm-hmm. if they don't.
1: Right. But I can so hear that's some one of, of my... Okay. I can hear some of my callers. I can hear people saying, "Well, well, that doesn't work. You know, taking a deep breath, that doesn't work. Have you found people uh, in your practice who who say that doesn't work, and what would you say uh, to that?
2: Um, absolutely, I uh, just experienced that recently, and mm-hmm. um, when I actually had the person practice it in front of me, they were so uptight and on God that they weren't on, they weren't in a position to allow themselves to even relax. I'm not even sure if the person knew how to at that moment. And just a um, walking in close proximity with them and walking them through that um, exercise um, helps some, but if the person is still on guard, that may not be the technique that will work for them. hmm Okay. So this particular person... Um, will still have to practice that use an uh, understanding of what stood in the way and what stood in the way was trust the ability to close their eyes in front of people and trust the process so trust I believe got in the way of that,
1: and i think I think you you you're saying something right there, you know so so many people. Lack uh, the ability to trust. So many people have been abused, misused, uh, taken advantage of by people in authority, you know, in relationships. And therefore, we have a great many people who don't trust anyone, you know, who are always on guard, always looking over their shoulder you know, thinking that someone is out to get them or someone is trying to take advantage of them. So we have a a large number of people in our society who are always on edge, who are always on guard and who find it difficult to just relax, you know, find it difficult to to trust trust anyone, to trust any process. And I think particularly in, in the mental health field, you know we have so many people who have this legacy of uh Tuskegee and how you know African Americans were uh, subjected to experiments which they did not know that they were being experimented on, and they were actually given a disease the syphilis virus mm-hmm. you know so there's this legacy of mistrust of of health professionals and mistrust of uh, therapists because in our community, you know, many people for a long time did not go to therapy. We, you know, didn't believe that it, it, it helped. We didn't need it. We felt that we should just pray and, you know, God would heal us. But I'm glad that more and more people are finding their way to therapy and learning skills to manage uh, their emotions and skills to have healthy relationships, which, which what emotional intelligence does, it helps you to have successful, happy relationships. So one, you know, one question that that, that I often get asked is how does uh, what we do lead to healthy relationships, loving relationships, and happiness? And we know that You know, money can't buy you happiness. Power can't buy you happiness. But, you know, in the mental health field, being able to manage your emotions, being able to have uh, uh, successful relationships depends upon your own self-awareness and your ability to manage uh, your own emotions. Yeah. There's another component of emotional intelligence that I want to talk about is called empathy. You know, basically, are are we able to take on the perspective of another person? Can we put ourselves in somebody else's shoes? Are we able to identify when someone else is angry or, or uh, disappointed or sad? You know, that's empathy. So in your practice, yes. in your work, Um, with with individuals, Ms. Rose. Tell me, how do you teach uh, individuals empathy? Is that something that that we even can teach others?
2: Well, I think it's something that individuals can become aware of. Um, When dealing with people who are upset and frustration sets in um, between two individuals. I would have my clients think and look, you know, sometimes they say, I just want to get it off my chest. But will that person hear you? If they're upset, will that help the situation? Or will it hurt? So asking that question, what is it that you Mm. want to have happen with whatever information you are sharing? You have to take into accountability where the other party is. And mm-hmm. if they can't hear it or deal with it at that time, then maybe that's not the time to share that emotion with them, that feeling, that whatever it is that, that, that you want to get off your chest. Mhm. Maybe you Implicate. have to sit for a while and understand where they are.
1: Okay. Okay. That 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 sounds good. I was um talking to a group a couple weeks ago and we were, you know, we were talking about this whole topic, you know, emotional intelligence, and we, you know, were looking at, you know, how effective is it, you know, when when somebody else is angry and like you were saying when you want to get it off your chest. Um but the truth is, you know, when you're Angry, or when you're expressing strong emotions, you can't hear what the other person is saying, and they can't hear you either. You know, so it's like when you are in a relationship, and you and your friend, your significant other, you know, you're trying to have this heated discussion, but neither one of you are hearing each other. So at some point, you know, someone has to stop recognize that we can't hear each other, you know? So we need to try it later. You know, let's change the subject or agree that we need to put it on pause. So I think with empathy, we have to be able to, you know, identify what the other person is experiencing. So I opened up with, a couple of questions uh, that will help us identify where we are with uh, emotional intelligence. How well do you handle criticism? You know, do you become defensive when you are criticized? And I think for a lot of people, it can be difficult to receive criticism. For people who are not able to, to manage their emotions or people who are not aware of their emotions they can quickly become defensive and you know when you are defensive it's difficult for you to, to learn and to grow so, so Miss Pat, Miss Rose how do you address people who you find to be easily offended, or people who are uh, defensive when they are giving constructive criticism? How would you approach uh, an individual in helping them to develop emotional intelligence? I, I, I
2: would have them really look at what the individual is saying, what is the criticism, what is the constructive criticism, And have them search for the truth in that, if there may be. Um, If there's truth in that, um, part of it comes from self-evaluation and knowing yourself.
0: Mm -hmm. So if
2: an individual knows themselves, and on some level they do know themselves, so they know if there is truth in the constructive criticism, and if it is some truth in that, how can you go about to begin to repair, build upon, um, change that behavior, and build upon it in a more positive manner. Um, If someone criticizes and says that you are, um, you know, very mean, I'll just use that as an example. Chances are it's not the first time that you've heard somebody say that if there is some truth in there. Mm -hmm. It may be a reoccurring um, criticism. I would have them begin to look at what are some of the steps you can use to address this reoccurring criticism. Mm -hmm. I also use this. This is an old saying I say um, to some people. You eat the meat and spit out the bone. What is the truth in that? And that's what you hold on. Everything about it may not be truthful, but the part that you find that is truthful, that you know, that you can admit to, that you can acknowledge, then you deal with that in an honest basis and say, yes, I, I, I do do this, or I know I need to change that. And you can begin to work on that once you have accepted whatever truth it is.
1: Yeah, I think that and that's the hard part, accepting the truth, because you, we run Thanks. into people who are, they deny the truth, no, that's not me, you know, that's you, or they might say, oh, they're just jealous of me, you know. So we run into people who have a hard time accepting the truth. And I think that yeah. once we get in touch with our You know, relationship with God. You know, spirituality definitely helps us develop emotional intelligence. Because when you are in relationship with God through prayer and through reading the scriptures, the first person God will show you is you. You know, and when you are open to God, you know, to the movements of the Holy Spirit, then you will be able to uh receive the words from God. So I think that, you know, psychology definitely has its place, but spirituality can really go and do what psychology can't do. Yes. So the first step is being open, you know, to to God. And God uses people, so people who God places in our lives to help us to see ourselves, they are blessings from God. And often people overlook the blessings that are right there in your circle, because God, he he's for us, and he wants us to be happy, he wants us to be whole, he wants our relationships, you know, to, to be strong and uh, and to be healthy. And when he puts us in relationships with people and people tell us the truth, we deny it. You know, but I think it's important to recognize why is this person in my life if they are spiritual. But then sometimes they don't have to be spiritual. Sometimes God will put someone in your life who will speak a word, you know, in your spirit, you know, because they're being used by God. So it's important for us to always be sensitive to the voice of God because we don't know where that voice will come from. But when we are seeking uh, truth and seeking self-knowledge, then God will put people into our lives. He'll orchestrate events so that we might be able to hear clearly. And that's how we can begin to receive self-knowledge and to be able to hear uh, constructive criticism Amen Amen Is there anything You'd like to add to that
2: No I think that was perfect
1: Amen It's being able to hear the voice of God Yes And he reveals
2: all things
1: He really does Now another question that That is asked On this uh, emotional intelligence uh, test is whether you can stay calm under pressure. So how can we help individuals to stay calm under pressure? What do you think uh, Miss Rose, it takes to stay calm under pressure? Well, to stay
2: calm under pressure is, I think it comes because not everyone has that ability just to be, you know, calm. We have the ability, but we don't always practice it. I think it comes with purposeful practice. Um, mm-hmm. And to understand that not being calm and to be explosive or um, to, to just kind of act out of the box doing stress doesn't solve anything.
0: Mm-hmm. It
2: doesn't get good results. But to maintain and to trust, God through the process or through whatever the situation is, because stress comes out of just, you know, it's too much going on. You got a lot of going on. You, you're dealing with a whole lot. You don't know how it's going to turn out. But if we trust God in that process, that whatever the outcome is, it will be okay. If we okay. trust God and his provision for us. So keeping that mindset and helping people to understand that mindset trust God and his provision for us, that whatever that outcome will be, will be okay. And if they're okay with that, they can remain calm through stressful times. Uh
1: Uh-huh. And the word you said... Go ahead.
2: No, you, you, you get it.
1: No, you said if they are okay with that. If they can be okay with, uh, With you know, God's response or with God's uh, process, if they can be okay with that, then they Mm -hmm. can stay calm. Mm hmm So what I'm hearing is that it's possible for us not to trust God and not to be okay with what God is doing, and therefore we try to help God. We want to do it ourselves because God is not moving fast enough, or we don't like what He's doing. So, therefore, we uh, step into our own emotions and create havoc. Yep. And therefore, we yeah. are not able to stay calm under pressure. Hmm.
2: We create havoc.
1: Mm hmm. When we the, take medicine. Madison-
2: uh huh. We take matters into our own hands and not trust, not trust the process, just not even trusting the pro- the process of what is. Um, for an example, the process of um, the steps of someone who might be going through recovery, and they want to yeah. run and or not sit in a in a group session and not attend to this may not. But it's part of the process. And there's a process for everything. Mm-hmm. And we got to trust the process. If we're going to get it to the end, if we're going to get the results we're hoping and we're wishing for, we've got to go through the process. Hmm.
1: The molding, wow. the making. Mhm. Going through the process. And that
2: comes with, it goes you're going through you go the process, and that all you know means learning about yourself, learning about your emotions, learning to put them in their proper place, learning that you can't just um become so upset you just you know just lash out at people, but there's a process to growth,
0: mhm,
1: wow, yeah. Yeah, and we don't always agree with God, but we know that all things work together for the good of them who love the Lord and who are called according to his purpose. And that's that's what we have to trust, that it's working out for our good. Yeah. You know, whether we agree with it, whether it feels good to us, but we have to know beyond a shadow of a doubt that it's working out for our good, and therefore yeah. we can relax. We can uh Stay calm, we can have some peace about it you know and as and as you're talking i'm I'm thinking about what we are saying to ourselves what are the the messages what's the self talk that we're saying when we're going through the process that helps us to stay calm? you know what what scripture are we holding on to that keeps us uh, grounded and and keeps us uh Calm when pressure comes.
2: I would say Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord Mm. with all thy heart and lean not on our own understanding and all our ways acknowledge Him. He shall direct our path. That is a scripture that is guaranteed to keep you calm.
1: Amen. I know that's
2: right.
1: Amen. Another question I want to I want to ask that helps us to assess our own emotional intelligence. Can you listen without jumping to judgment? You know, can you listen to what someone is saying without jumping to judgment? And with that, what what that question says is can you not uh, judge yourself? Even though, you know, what you're hearing it might not be something that you like, but can you suspend judgment? And I think what happens, we hear uh, words and we immediately feel condemn, condemnation. We feel shame, you know, We we feel that we may have missed the mark when someone is is talking to us and, you know, someone is trying to uh, bring some knowledge to us. Sometimes we don't want to hear it, and we immediately begin to critique and to judge ourselves. So can you listen without jumping to judgment? That's the question. Now, what I find uh, in my work with couples is that couples get into this conflict where they are constantly uh, judging one another's behavior, uh, demonizing each other, as you will. When when they're having conflict, they look at each other as the enemy, you know, each other as the obstacle, you know, to their success, the obstacle to what it is that they're trying to do. And so, therefore, they find it hard to listen without uh, jumping to conclusion or jumping to judgment. So what I simply ask people to do is that you talk for uh, two minutes and you listen to your partner, listen to the person without, you know, getting defensive, you know, without uh, thinking about what you want to say, but just Listen. You know, and then I have them to switch roles and have the speaker, you know, now listen to your partner, to whatever it is that they want to say to you. And don't interrupt, but just listen. And I find that that's a hard thing to do when you don't have a mediator because people get uncomfortable. They want to defend themselves. But when you can sit and listen, you know, you're able to uh, calm yourself and you're able to allow the other person to feel heard and to feel respected because people, at the end of the day, want to be heard and want to feel respected. So I know, uh, Ms. Rose, you do a lot of work with parents and children Is that something that that you teach? Do you teach listening skills uh, to families uh, where there is conflict?
2: Yes. And children definitely want to be heard. Um, Mm -hmm. They have something to say. And often I will have the parents listen. Listen to what they are saying. And then you can respond by, I hear you. I hear you. Let them get, them get it off their chest, whatever it is. But they I teach them and I teach children how to say it in appropriate ways. And it it, it takes time. Cuz a lot of times you hear a bunch of yelling and screaming and so nobody can hear anybody. But at the at the end of the day, like you said, children and adults as well alike want to be heard and respected. And children do too. And so I often say to them, I hear you. I hear you. And hmm. now let's work on a solution to it. You can't, I teach them not to just drop all of the problems, but help to find a solution to it that's agreed upon for everybody. Yeah. Let's mm-hmm. work on what is the
1: solution. Finding a solution. And I think, you know, that that's a key point. You know, how can we resolve this? You know, because some people want to keep the conflict going and never come to resolution. So it's the same argument over and over again, the same issue over and over again, but at what point do you resolve it? At what point do we come up with a solution that both people can agree with?
2: Yeah, they want to bring it up. Every time it's a an argument, it's a fight, it's the same situation. So how do we Mm. move past this? Because once this feeling and emotion goes, another one will take over. Mm. So let's get through this one, and then another feeling will come, and get through that. And so it's just, it's like waves, they come and they go.
1: Wow. Yeah, that's, that's, that's a powerful point. Emotions come and they go. And we spend so much time stuck in one emotion, not realizing that th- that emotion is going to pass. You know, so let's resolve this issue and move on because something else is going to come. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Okay, I like, that. I like one, that.
2: One client said, i surf it out. I just ride the emotion out.
1: Because
2: mm. sure enough, another one yeah. will take its place.
1: Huh. So what that says to me I'm hearing that we don't have to react to every emotion that comes up. That's ride no, it we out. Don't. Uh. Hmm. So we have really we have control over our emotions truth be told. We we do have the ability or you can learn the ability to control your emotions and not allow your emotions to control you, that's what emotional intelligence is all about as well, yeah, just learning to ride it out, sit through it like we sit through a storm, you know the storm is gonna come, you know it's it's at its intensity, but if you ride it out, you're gonna be okay, okay, and then the last question that's on this e q test is are you a positive person? Are you a positive individual which you agree or, or would you disagree? So positive emotions, and I find that there are so many people who are unhappy, who are negative people who never see the good in the situation, they see the glass as half empty as opposed to half full. So how um Miss Rose, how do you help people to become more positive? Because you know, when people are engaged in relationship and and with families, they can't see anything good, you know, they the words, they speak the words, and their attitudes display that I'm negative. So are there certain skills that you teach families and children on, on how to remain positive?
2: Yeah, One of the things that I do, one of the assignments I do, is to have parents, um, within a course of a day or so, I need you to um, list for me all of the positive things, the strength of the child. Hmm. List the positive things the child did during the day. Um, And for adults, I had them do that too, be purposeful about looking for the good. And then list those things. Mm -hmm. Purposefully looking for the good. And sometimes I think that individuals just become so stuck, like you said, that it's hard. I even have them identify the good and strength in themselves. Hmm. And believe it or not, it can be hard for people. What are your strengths? What are you good at? What is your son good at? What is your daughter good at? What is your husband good at? And sometimes it's hard, but helping them to identify what are the strengths, what are the good things that happen throughout the course of the day. And the more intentional they become about that, the easier it becomes to identify what the goods are.
1: Mm -hmm. It sounds almost like, a gratitude, you know, a gratitude list, you know, just a list of things that are positive, things that, that have happened that, that you're thankful for. And yes, I
2: guess you could call it that.
1: hmm Yeah, and, you know, one thing I do uh, when I work with, with couples is to have the couples uh say to their partner you know what they are happy about what what they like about the partner what they are grateful for in each other because we can always identify the the wrong the negative you know what made me angry but we have to be intentional uh like the way you said that we have to be intentional and looking at the positives, you know reaching for the positives, because we can get into all or nothing thinking, saying that you know you always do this and you never do that and and we have to consider our language. no one is always one way, you know there are situations where a person might be you know angry or critical or whatever the word might be, but you're not you're not always a particular way. So we have to change our language and begin to identify when is the person caring, when is the person respectful, when is the person pleasant. So it's you know, identifying within, you know, your partner, your relationship, whether it's your sibling or your child or your spouse, you know, what are the strengths, what are the positives, you know, that I can say about that individual. Right. But I think, you know, like you said, we have to first see it in ourselves because it's it's very difficult for many people to to look at their own strengths, to identify anything positive, especially if all they've heard growing up was, was negative things spoken over their lives. So, you know, the Scripture says... You know, think on these things. Whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are of a good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. And I think that is so important because we always want to think the worst. We think about the negatives. We think about what a person did to hurt us. But if we could just say... uh with, like the scripture says, what things are lovely about this individual? What are things that are pure? What are some of the good things? What is praiseworthy in my spouse, in my child, in my sibling? Because there's so much conflict in our homes, in our schools, you know, in our government, in our communities. But if we can look for the good, if we can uh, express the good, if we can speak the good, then I think we'll get very different results. So as we begin to close, Miss Rosa, do you have any final things that you can say to us about you know, emotional intelligence. You know, any any tips that you might be able to leave, you know, with the audience.
2: Well, the the tip is just to um, you know, as individuals are working towards emotional maturity, emotional intelligence, maturity, just to remember the um the the, the key components of self-awareness and self-management self-manage- and empathy. to always keep those at the forefront of your mind that when you are dealing with um, various emotions, that those are important components to help you gain maturity and learning how to deal effectively with your emotions while dealing with others. Mm-hmm. So that's, um, I think those are very important. To help individuals as they grow
1: Okay Okay, thank you so much And I have a couple of things That I want to close with Along those same lines You know, one thing That you can do Is ask yourself How do I feel today And becoming uh, aware Of your emotions You know, rate Your overall sense of well-being you know, on a scale of zero to 100. Ask yourself, you know, how do I feel? Am I happy? Am I sad? You know, am I annoyed? So that you can begin to log your feelings. And if your feelings are extreme, then you want to ask yourself, where is this coming from? Is this feeling connected to something uh in my past or some event that I have experienced today or or yesterday. So you want to ask yourself, how do I feel? And then if you don't know how you're feeling, you can ask someone else because other people can help you identify how you're feeling. You might say, oh, I'm not hurt, but your person can say, yeah, I can see the sadness on your face. Or you might say, oh, I'm not angry, but anyone can look at you and see you know that your forehead is wrinkled, you know your face is frowning. Other people can be a better judge of your feelings than you might be at times. You also want to listen to your body because our body gives us some some cues and some clues as to how we are feeling. Do you have a knot in your stomach while you're driving? And that might tell you that my job is stressful. And even before I go to work in the morning, I feel this knot in my stomach. And when I leave to go home at night, I'm I'm feeling my neck uh, tighten up. So listen, you know, to your body, because your body can send you signals as to how it is that you are feeling. And the third thing I want us to remember to do is connect your feelings with your thoughts. When you feel something that doesn't feel ordinary, it's useful to ask yourself, "What do I think about that?" You know? So, it's important to connect your feelings with your thoughts because your thoughts can create your feelings. There's a connection between your thoughts, your feelings, and your behaviors. So you want to listen to your feelings. It's like listening to all the witnesses in a court case. Only by admitting all of the evidence will you be able to reach the best verdict. So you want to connect your feelings with your thoughts. Your thoughts can tell you how you're feeling, and your feelings can lead you to begin to think in a certain way. So we are out of time, and I really want to thank my listeners. I want to thank Ms. Rose for just giving us some practical uh, information on emotional intelligence and telling us about the work she does with individuals and families and children. And I think that it's really important that we become uh self-aware and that we're able to manage our emotions and that we're able to understand the perspective of another person. This goes a long way in helping us to have healthy, uh, relationships and leading us to happiness in life. So I think I want to continue this topic. Uh, so this is part one, emotional intelligence 101. So please uh, join us again, uh, next week and next week uh i'm hoping we'll have a brand new co-host uh miss tiara shepherd so uh tune in next week and you will have a fabulous uh topic whether it will be myself or our uh, new co-host but uh, realize that you know god doesn't just want us to be healed but he wants us whole totally whole Nothing missing and nothing broken. So have a great week. God bless you, and stay tuned for our outro. Amen. Have a good night. Good night. Thank you, Miss Rose.
2: Thank you.
0: mind, body, and soul. Join us every Monday for Totally Whole with Dr. Rosemary Cook and Pastor Bridget as they discuss issues related to spirituality and mental health with emphasis on wholeness of mind, body, and spirit. Get your money right Tuesdays on Money Matters with Chastity A. Wells. This show is the tool you need to develop a healthy relationship with your money and financial legacy. Every Thursday is a treat as we mix it up. On the first Thursday of the month, it's Total Empowerment with Angela Hart, where beauty and strength is enhanced inside and out. The second Thursday of the month is relationship talk on one love, one connection, one up with Reverend Arlene Cahet and Harvey L. Bailey as they give you practical advice for creating a spiritual union to have the relationship you want. Call in with your relationship question. Calling all brothers on the third Thursday of the month, it's the Sacred Masculine Show with Reverend Jamel Gilliam. It's a show for spiritual brothers and the women who love them. When there is a fourth Thursday in the month, we have the Healing Paradigm with Reverend Arlene Cahet healing the mind, body, and spirit through changing viewpoints. Every Friday, let's talk, love, sex, and nutrition with sexual wellness coach Bondria Walters and sex enthusiast Latta. the hottest sexual health and wellness and nutrition show around. This is for the grown and sexy. Listen at your own risk. If you don't know, now you know. The Family Healing Circle on Blog Talk Radio, 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. It's the best in entertainment, education, and talk radio.